Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? What's up? Uh, welcome to the show, episode 23 of the Quiet Part Loud. I'm your host, Daryl. As always, good to be here. Thanks for listening, and thank you for the ongoing continued support. Stats are looking good, growing. Uh, we've had a bit of a break. Uh, I, I've been away for about a week, uh, so I just got back and had to catch up on some work. And then yesterday, I started to record this podcast, and for some reason or another, I just wasn't feeling it. I was just like, I'm going to leave it, and then maybe I'll come back to it later on in the day, and I didn't. And now, it seems like quite a good thing that uh, that I didn't, because what I did cover in the show yesterday was a breakdown of uh, half of the card, and started to go into kind of the main uh, the main card and, uh, and and working towards the main event. But obviously, with the events that have transpired over the last sort of 18 hours, we have a completely different looking card and a completely different set of circumstances in which we're faced um, with the UFC 223 on Saturday. Um, this show, as I mentioned on my last episode, was going to be a preview to to that card uh, because the entire event pretty much top to bottom was a banger and uh, you know we had the much anticipated Tony Ferguson versus Khabib for the lightweight title um, which obviously got I mean Jesus how much of a week has this been so if you've been living under a rock first off if you don't care about MMA you don't care about the UFC probably not the episode for you that said, if you're still here and you've been living under a rock, then you won't know any of this. Uh, if you're paying any sort of attention to social media or any of the uh, MMA blogs or community or you know whatever, then you'll know what a week it's been. So fight week started, everything was looking on the up and up. We had this card top to bottom stacked and uh, and at the at the at the tip of the spear we had uh, the two best lightweights in the world going head to head to effectively unify this uh, this chaos that's been going on in the 155 division with Connor sort of um, you know taking his hiatus after the Floyd fight. So fight of the year, uh, in my opinion, and during the meteor event or one of the meteor events, Tony Ferguson saw somebody he hadn't seen in a while, turned to go and greet them and say hi and blew out his, uh, blew out his knee. Um, so that fight was off and then immediately replaced with Khabib versus Max Holloway, which was amazing. You know, Max being stud of a, of a, of a competitor stepping in on six days notice to take on, the most dangerous lightweight ever and one of the scariest grapplers that's ever ever fought in MMA um you know on on less than a week's notice was just you know all credit due to Max whatever happens on Saturday night so that fight's still happening um now it'll be the chance for Max Holloway to become the champ champ 
uh, and as he said, become the active champ champ, where he wants to actively defend two belts. Um, I think it's quite difficult to do, even if he does win, which I think he's going to be even more difficult to do. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, I don't know what the odds are. I haven't looked on them, but in situations like this, you know, if there's a discrepancy in the odds, if somebody's counting Max out simply off the fact that it's six days out, let's not let's not forget um, what happened when Michael Bisbing fought Luke Rockhold on about the same days, same time uh, notice, same late notice, effectively. You know, Michael Bisbing got his title. Weird circumstances can produce weird outcomes, and. With everything that's gone on around this event in the past 24 hours and past week, if you count, you know, what we just mentioned, anything can happen on Saturday night. And I'm still super hyped for this fight, but we have to talk about obviously the elephant that's in the room and the elephant that's in the MMA fucking entire MMA world now um, is this, um, I mean, what, what do we want to call it? This um, this all-out assault. It was a. Uh, it looked to effectively be an ambush by Connor and Artem Lobov and whoever else Connor brought with him. Apparently, there was like twenty plus of them, and. Again, if you've been living under a rock and haven't seen any of this, effectively what happened is that um, earlier in the week, Artem Lobov and Khabib got into an altercation when they passed each other in the hotel. And one thing became another and it got a bit testy, but I don't think anything happened. Although I've read some things that Khabib slapped Artem or whatever. And then I've heard that Artem called Khabib a pussy fighter and that's how it started. And either way, there was an altercation. And then apparently what's happened is Connor has flown in. He was supposed to be here for the festivities anyways, but apparently flew in uh, with some other people for the purpose of uh, retaliating against Khabib's team for what they did to Artem Lobov. So, last night, Connor came to the Barclays Center Arena or wherever they're holding the media um, obligations. And the MacLife, if you don't know the MacLife, the MacLife are an Irish media uh, group that uh, cover... A whole bunch of uh, combat sports. I don't know exactly what their affiliation is, if they're actually owned and paid for um, by McGregor, but, you know, they cover everything to do with Conor McGregor. And apparently what Dana White has said is that the MacLife guys let Conor and these other folks in to the arena who didn't have, obviously, credentials to be there or whatever. So because the MacLife guys did, they let Connor in and they, obviously they got into the basement where Khabib and his team and a, and a whole bunch of other fighters were getting on a bus to leave the arena and Connor McGregor and 
Artem Lobov and a bunch of his crew rushed the bus and started throwing um, like steel bike racks, um, like those dollies, those moving dollies, like that you stack boxes on, those things. Um, and Connor heaved one at the fucking bus and blew out the back window only to put several lacerations across Michael Chiesa's face, um, Ray Borg's eye, um, a couple of other UFC actual staff. Rose Namajunas was so shook up, she had to walk back to the hotel. And as a result of all of this fucking chaos, three fights are off now. Obviously, Artem Lobov, Artem Lobov, who was fighting um, Alex Caceres is off because Arden Loboff was involved in this ambush retaliation that they did. So he's obviously uh, scrapped from the card. Um, Anthony Pettis and Michael Chiesa is, uh, is off because Michael Chiesa is all cut up and had to go to the hospital. And then Ray Borg and Brandon Moreno, is it Brandon Moreno? I think uh, it, uh, that's off as well because Ray Borg has fucking scratches on his cornea from the glass. So three fights. So a 13-fight absolute stud of a card is reduced to 10 and is a good card but is in no way, shape, or form the caliber it was 24 hours ago. Um... I have to say, I mean, okay, so the update is Connor was arrested or turned himself in to um, the NYPD. He was being held overnight at the 78th Precinct in Brooklyn. Um, apparently, at some time this morning, um, he is supposed to be in front of a judge at a local court and could potentially be facing... Uh, multiple assault charges. Uh, the Independent, funnily enough, have a live blog about this. And so far they're saying uh, injuries to Michael Chiesa and Ray Borg, as I just mentioned, um, and staff Reed Harris and a colleague. So those three fights uh, that I just mentioned obviously are canceled. And then McGregor's been charged with multiple counts of assault by the NYPD. Um, an hour ago, this live blog updated and said that Connor was due in front of a judge in 25 minutes, uh, which was supposed to be 12 p.m. Um, British Standard Time. Uh, but... There's been no further update since then. Um, basically, the NYPD are saying that McGregor's been charged with three counts of misdemeanor assault, one count of criminal mischief. His teammate, uh, Kian Cowley, was also charged with one count of misdemeanor assault, one count of criminal mischief. Um, that's via Ariel Hawani, per the NYPD. Uh, and that was uh, that was 20 minutes ago. So 
Obviously, stay tuned to the rest of this shit, but Dana White's come out and completely shit all over Connor. Um, the entire MMA community has basically come out and shit all over Connor. Um, and I, I definitely want to hear what he's got to say about this because it's no doubt in retaliation, but I mean, people are speculating that he's on coke and that he's all fucked up and, you know, he's going crazy, which, you know, if you're going around parking lots, you know, to, to get that form of retaliation, then something is not right for sure. But how good must it feel to have a fucking friend like Conor McGregor on your side who just basically says, um, yeah, I got your back and I'm going to fly in to fuck this guy up with a crew of folks. Now, I'm not condoning the behavior. Let's get that clear straight away. Um, I'm not condoning throwing... Uh, dollies what do you call them like i don't know moving dollies at uh, at bus windows when there's people on the other side of that um i'm just saying it's it's you know it's uh it's either psychosis or incredibly crazy loyalty um or maybe a, a healthy combination of both but it's fucking bang out of order he's ruined the fuck not ruined the card but he's made a massive impact on the card which was unnecessary and I was expecting him, everybody was expecting him to be at the event and to kind of show up in the crowd, fucking posture up, get in, the, get in the cage after the fight, you know, confront Khabib or Max or whoever it is. There's a storyline for both, which makes this amazing. But cooler heads couldn't prevail. And the chaos which ensue i mean again if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the video go and watch it it's crazy there's multiple angles of it because the ufc were obviously recording embedded and um and obviously their fighter footage and you know they're kind of behind the scenes stuff but then there was people outside of the bus that were filming it as well and then cut to khabib who is just absolutely cool as, as a cucumber and basically saying we don't fight like that He's like, just name a location, wherever it is, and I'll be there. <laughs> um, so it's terrible what happened, right? Let's get that 100% clear because somebody could have been hurt way worse than they were. People were hurt, which is fucked up. People are going to be losing money. People are going to sue Connor. Like Michael Chiesa's camp are probably going to sue him. Uh, Ray Borg's camp's probably going to sue him for damages. Um, you know, I don't know if the Barclays Center is going to sue him. I don't know who else is going to try to have a crack at him. But somebody's going to, you know, multiple people are going to try to get the, a piece of that hundred million that he's got sitting there. And he just made it really, really fucking easy for people. And I, I just don't understand where that, you know absolute just lack of control comes from um it makes me question who's around this guy and uh and actually what's going on with his mental game because that's not that's not a good look but he's crazy you know he's always had a bit of psycho in him um maybe the vast amounts of wealth he's got have just kind of set that free um but it's not a good look because it's had a fucking run-on effect and he's always been in the perfect position to elevate this sport and he's done so in a lot of different ways but when he, when he does shit like this it sets the sport back and um and that's damaging to everybody including his own brand you know but what it does do 
and what he has done with it with this violence and and and, and this incident and then with getting like Khabib and and that sort of cold reaction that Khabib had, matter of fact reaction, is he's effectively in a couple of hours cut the most amazing promos for him versus Khabib after this fight. Um, it just, you know, in that respect, it's it's actually. It could be actually incredibly powerful. And if, you know, if this financially doesn't fuck him too, too bad. And if he doesn't get too much, you know, too much damage or shit thrown at him, you know, from these, from these charges. Then who knows how this works out, you know. Um, But it's definitely made the potential for Khabib versus Connor the biggest fight in UFC history by a fucking mile, right? So now all Khabib has to do is go in there tomorrow, whoop uh, Max Holloway, call Connor out from wherever he is, and uh, and let's get let's let's get it moving. Let's get it moving towards that. Truly unifying the lightweight division, and uh, and yeah. Let's set up the biggest fight in the history of the sport. Because that's what it would be. 100%. Especially now with all this chaos. Um, <clears throat> so, huge elephant in the room. Huge storm cloud. Heavy hanging over this event. Um, which is a real shame. Because it was it was setting up to be quite the event. And, uh, and... And I expected better from him, man. I expected better from him. I expect better from my superstars. He's got better inside him, and uh, and I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I'll be keen to hear what he comes out with when this is all uh, when this is all done and he's released later on today, which is uh, likely, I imagine, probably in the next couple of hours. Uh, but I'm just refreshing this live feed on live blog that they've got going on. Um, nope, nothing. So still on that, and this video is going to kick in in a minute, so I'm going to close that. Uh, but keep an eye on it. Like I said, the Independents got a timeline going on. And yeah, we'll see what happens. But it's fucked up, it's selfish, and it's stupid. Um, but it sets up a huge fight if Khabib can, uh, can do work on Max in the main event of this fight. So let's get to the card. Let's get to the card and let's run through it. Um, I'm only going to bring this fight up simply because it's another example of where the UFC fucks up with their uh, with their marketing, with the way they present themselves as a professional organization, and uh, and just how they should be more detail oriented. Now. When Cyborg fight that fought last, and it was against that Kuniskaya, I mentioned how they didn't even have a profile picture for her, um, and it was basically just a black silhouette um, of a female fighter, which was probably Misha Tate, um, and just how bad of a look that is, especially when this girl is on your main uh, is your main event against Cyborg, and you can't even do her the favor of like you know up until like well, I think a couple of days before the actual fight they had an image. Well, on the early prelims on UFC Fight Pass, uh, 
the only fight now is Devin Clark versus um, Mike Slow Mike Rodriguez. First of all, terrible nickname. Change it for sure. Um, so Devin Clark, the brown bear, versus Mike Rodriguez, Slow Mike Rodriguez. Um, I guess this is Mike Rodriguez's first fight in the UFC. I'm not sure. I don't really know him. Um, but at least he's not a silhouette. The UFC, even till now, and we're on Friday afternoon, they still have full body image of him, and he's in black and white. He doesn't have UFC gloves on. He's got some Russell Athletic shorts on, you know, some shit that you would just like wear to gym class. He looks out of shape. He looks not bothered, and he's black and white. It's not even a color image. I mean, like I said, it's just a small things, right? But it's, it goes a long way towards how you are perceived as an overall organization. And it's just fucking cheap. How hard is it to get this guy to stand in front of fucking a billboard, a white billboard, and just take a fucking take a picture of him? Just take a picture of him and replace it, because this is this is um, this is Mickey Mouse shit right here, um, and it's it it happens every single card without fail, um, and I just think it's a bit of a joke. Uh, anyways, moving on, let's get through these, because um, I'm just like, oh, this fight's not there anymore. This fight's not there anymore. Right. So, fight pass prelims four car uh, four fights now, because uh, Mag. Uh, Magomed Sharapov versus uh, Bokniak has been moved from the prelims to the main event, uh, to the main card, sorry, uh, because Anthony Pettis and Michael Chiesa is now off. And also Ray Borg um, and uh, Brandon Moreno is also off. So this, this prelims card had six fights on it. Now it's got four. Um, so that sucks. Uh, anyways, first fight on the prelims is Oban Mercier, uh, Olivier Oban Mercier versus Evan Dunham. Uh, 11 and 2 Mercier versus number 14, 18 and 6 Dunham. Dunham's a grinder. He's an old school guy. You know, he's one of those kind of, you know, let's let's go to war. Um, Oban Mercier, ground guy, heavy on submissions uh, from Canada. Uh, very strong, very athletic. And uh, I'm going to take... I'm going to take Mercier in this fight. I'm going to take Oban Mercier in this fight. I'm going to take him by submission, second round. Um... You know what? I'm not. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm just going to pick the winner. I'm not going to go ahead and pick method of victory and round and shit like that because it's 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 a dice roll, right? It's a dice roll, and all I'm doing is kind of closing my eyes and throwing a dart at a dartboard, hoping it sticks. It's um, I'm going to pick the winners that I think or that I want, and maybe I'll throw in a method of victory or something like that. But I'm not going to be consistent on that because I just it's a dice roll, right? It's a dice roll. Um, it doesn't show any skill. It just, it's a good guess at the end of the day, because you never know how a fight's going to go. So, uh, looking at it, you know, Evan Dunham's a grinder. Oban Mercier is more of a, uh, get it to the ground, grind it out. I think most of his wins have been by submission. Um, but he's, uh, he's a good, he's a good athlete. Everything is pretty much identical on this. Um, they're around the same height lightweight same reach all that stuff um 
Evan Dunham's obviously more active on his feet. Um, and as I said, Oban Mercier is uh, is more of a grappling uh, proponent of grappling, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, that sort of thing. So that kind of tells you where the where the style of these fights going to be. Whoever can impose their will probably going to get the advantage. I'm going to go with Oban Mercier. I'm going to think. I'm going to say he's probably going to choke Evan Dunham out. But Again, Evan Dunham's a grinder. You can never count him out. If he cracks him, anything can happen. Uh, but I'm going to go with Mercier. Uh, next on the prelims is Beck Rollins versus Ashley Evan Smith. Uh, okay. You know, I mean, not not a ton to say here. You got a 7-7 seven and seven versus a 5-3. and three. You know, women fights always have, uh, always have the potential of you know of going of being kind of a scrap I was just looking at Ashley Evan Smith record see if there's anything notable to mention not really um, Beck Roll I mean I can't there's not much to say about this fight you know it's two kind of middle of the road girls neither are ranked um I've never been particularly impressed with either one of them, but they're both, you know, skilled female fighters. So yeah, that's I'm gonna move on. Um, moving up the prelims, we've got Joe Lozon versus Chris uh, Chris uh, Grusmacher. Again, don't know a lot about um, Grits is uh, the guy's name, but he is uh, predominantly a grappler. I know that. Uh, he is coming off of two losses, which he got submitted in both. Uh, so that's not a great look. He's got a unanimous decision victory. I mean, he's 13-3, and three, but... Yeah... Six first-round finishes, 12 of his last 14. 12, this is the thing, right? 12 of his last 14 sounds awesome. But he's one and three. He's, he's one, uh, one and two in the UFC. So he's actually 0 and two. He's one and, you know, he's, oh, he's lost two in a row, right? And most of his record is built up outside the UFC. We don't know really what kind of quality opponent he's been facing. Um, but he lost to Davis, Davi Ramos and he lost to Chaz Skelly. You know, both good fighters. Um, but, I mean, I don't really know much about the guy, to be honest with you. And I'm not going to pick against Joe Lozon because Joe Lozon's just one of those guys, right? He's old school. He's a very cerebral fighter. He's a grinder. He's got a ton of experience. Uh, he can he can strike. He can grapple. He can wrestle. Um, you know, he's got some pretty good wins. He's lost a couple in uh, in his last few fights, um, but you know, he's just one of my favorite fighters. He's one of my favorite fighters. He's been around forever. He's been fighting in the UFC since two thousand and six. And, okay, he's two out of his last one, two, three, four, five, six. In his last six, he's won three, lost three. 
he's lost to Clay Guida, uh, got KO'd. He lost a decision to Stevie Ray. Then he won a decision. He lost to Jim Miller. Then he beat Diego Sanchez. Then he lost to Evan Dunham. Then he beat Tanaki Gomi, uh, Takanori Gomi. And then we're in 2015. So, you know, one of those. But he, I mean, if you just look down his resume, you're looking fight of the night, knockout of the night, submission of the night, submission of the night, fight of the night, fight of the night, performance of the night, fight of the night. You know, this is Lozon. This is why I don't bet against Lozon. This is why I don't go um, against Lozon, especially with people I don't know, because you just don't know. He's beat some incredible fighters. He's put on some incredible performances. Joe Lozon is you got to switch his lights out or put him to sleep or he's going to be in there even if his face is being taken apart. And you got to love a guy like that um, because he's fought the kind of way he wants to fight. He's incredibly skilled, like I said, and he's, uh, you know, he's been doing it for a long time. Uh, so a guy like that is, it is always worth the bet and always, uh, always kind of, he's always on my team uh, for sure. Uh, so I'm undoubtedly going with Joe Lozon on that. Um, I didn't pick for the Beck Rollins and Ashley Evans Smith fight because I don't care. Um, I, I wouldn't even be able to call it. I mean, you flip a fucking flip a coin, take who you want. Um, Beck Rollins say, um, nah. I think Ashley Evans Smith actually. Um, but yeah, for the Joe Lozon fight versus Grutzmacher, I'm going with Joe Lozon all day long on that um but let's see the main the uh the featured bout as bruce buffer would say on the prelims is um carolina kovalkiewicz carolina kovalkiewicz versus felice herrig which is unlike the beck rollins ashley evan smith fight actually a very very good fight you've got uh, number four ra ranked Kovalkiewicz versus number ra uh, eight ranked Felice Herrig. Uh, Felice Herrig is again she's another one of these you know she's another one of these grinders man she's she's a um, she's catching a little bit of momentum now um, she's had a overall very very good. Um, very good career so far in the UFC, which seems weird to me because she's only actually lost once in the UFC, and that was to Paige Van Zandt. But since then, it's really seemed like their trajectories, Paige and Felice, have gone the other way. They've they've gone in opposite directions because they had Paige Van Zandt just tipped as this poster girl, you know, next potential superstar. You know, she looks good on a poster. She looks good on TV. They put her on Dancing with the Stars, but... It all went a bit tits up, and she keeps losing. Um, but on the other side of that, Felice Herrig has, since her loss to Paige Van Zandt, refocused, and she's on a four-fight win streak. She beat Courtney Casey by split decision uh, in her last fight, uh, which I was was more of just a grind out, you know. Um, she beat Justin Kish, uh, she, Alexia Grasso, you know. So anybody they've kind of put in front of her, and she's making her way up. So this is a really good opportunity for Felice to put on a great show against a really tough girl because um, Carolina... Carolina has fought, um, I'm just going to go into her record so I get it right, because I love Carolina. 
she's one of my favorite female fighters. She's 11 and 2. Her only losses are to Joanna um, when she fought for the title and to Claudia Gedalia, um, who is arguably, you know, one, two, or three top, um, f- you know, female fighters, certainly in that division, but, you know, potentially, you know, in the world, she's definitely sort of top five, six uh, potential uh, talents in the female uh, female MMA. She submitted Carolina in the first round when they fought, but I think, I mean, she's a beast. Gedelli's a beast, right? Um, so even though, even though she lost to Joanna and she lost to Claudia, she actually has beaten already. And this was a few years ago, but she did beat Rose, who's the current champion. So for me, Carolina's just—I don't know—I almost like she's gotta just hit that next, that next gear, because her heart, her skill level—I mean, she's got she's got great output. She's beat again Rose. She's beat Random Marcos. She's beat Jody Escabel. Um, you know, so some good fighters. She's she's um, she's she's done very very well and beat. Um, it just so happens that two in a row she had um, she had two of the best fighters in the world in front of her, and shit doesn't go your way. But she took Joanna to a decision, although it was a unanimous decision for Joanna because the amount of volume that Joanna uh, put on her that fight was was disgusting. Um, it was just, uh, you know, it was just one of those things. She just fucking outworked her. Um, Gedalia obviously just got on her neck, wrapped her up. Um, but I really like Karolina Kovkevich. I think she's super, um, she's super versatile. Nothing rattles her. She walks in there, cool as a cucumber, leans up against the fence and just looks all cute and kind of like, just like, okay, let's go whenever you want. And then the fucking bell rings and a savage comes out. Um, So she's super versatile with her strikes. Um, Again, these Polish fighters, you know, they're, you know, the Eastern Europeans, they just come with a, with what seems to be a different mentality. Um, So I'm going to go with Carolina because she's one of my favorite female fighters, um, in the world and yeah i just got a thing for her so um i'm gonna go with her because i think if she just finds that little something she could be right up there she's um she could be right up there at the top of the straw weight division so i'm gonna go with her even though i think felice has a lot of momentum behind her and a lot of confidence behind her i think i think carolina is gonna get it done and i think that's gonna be a great fight Either way, I think it's going to be a great fight. Um, just looking at the tail of the tape, the leg reach again. UFC really the leg reach is uh, zero inches for Karolina Kovalkiewicz and thirty six inches for Felice Herrig. I mean, what are we doing? What the fuck are we doing here? Anyways, moving on. So just to recap so far on the prelims, I have said. Oben Mercier, Ashley Evans-Smith, Joe Lozon, and Karolina Kovalkiewicz to win on the prelims. Moving on to the main event, we have 
um, a few potential fight of the night candidates here, in my opinion. So the first one that we kick off the main card with is Al Iaquinta versus Paul Felder. I mean, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a stand up war here. We're gonna have a kickboxing match here, right? For sure. Um, Al Iaquinta is ranked in the what is she? He's number eleven. Um, you know, Paul Felder's on a three fight win streak. He's uh, beating some pretty good, uh, pretty good fighters. Um, Stevie Ray, Charles Oliveira. Uh, he's got a couple of performance of the nights with his, you know, he's basically first round, first round, second round KOs in his last, in his last three fights. Um, overall, very, very good. He's lost to Barboza, Pearson, Francisco Trinaldo, which was a doctor stoppage. Um, but other than that, man, like beating some really good guys. And again, Paul Felder is just one of those guys I, I really like. I think he's awesome. Um, and I'm leaning towards him having a great performance. But Ally Quinta is a fucking savage. And... His momentum, his momentum was there, and then he got hurt, and he was out, and I think he had some, like, contract disputes and some arguments with the UFC, because he didn't fight uh, for two years, right? Between him beating um, Jorge Masvidal, and then his last fight, which was April of last year, where he beat um, Diego Sanchez... He that was that was a two year gap almost to the day, right? So before he had that two year layoff, he was on a five uh, four four fight win streak. But bef if we go a little bit farther than that, he had he's only lost one of his last one two three four five six seven eight nine. So if we take his last, he's eight and eight and two in his last ten fights, with people with wins over guys like Kevin Lee, Rodrigo Dam, Joe Lozon, and like I said, um, Moss Vidal and Diego Sanchez. So Ally Quinta is a fucking savage. Stand up is is smooth. Is uh, is very good, but he also fights um, and trains out of uh, the Weidman camp, right? With uh, Ray Longo and Matt Serra, I believe. Um, so obviously he's got that good wrestling uh, training there as well. But predominantly, he's a stand-up, stand-up bang guy. Um, and he's very, very good at it. <sighs> Again, he hasn't fought since last April. So... Let's see what he comes in looking like. First round's gonna, you know, obviously say a lot. Um, but I just, I got a, I got an inclination to go with, uh, with Paul Felder on this one. I just think, like, he fought three times last year and was looking better and better in every one. Yeah, I'm just going to go with Felder on this one. I just think he's going to do it. Uh, I think maybe ring rust. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of uh, ally Quinta is going to come into the ring. 
uh, and to come into the octagon. And I just think Paul Felder has been more um, more active. And it counts for a lot, right? It counts for a lot. So um, the next fight, I, I can't say too, too much about it because I can barely pronounce the guy's last name and it's been moved from prelims to make up the... Um, make up the main card now that some of these other fights aren't happening. So we've got Zabit Magomed Shiripov versus Kyle Bosniak. And all I know really is that Zabit likes to grapple. Um, he averages seven and a half takedowns a match. Um, and he's got pretty good accuracy with his takedown um he likes submissions obviously uh and he's 14 and one and he's a russian the other guy's fighting kyle bosniak um sorry guys i didn't do too much research on these guys because they were on the fucking prelims 18 hours ago um yeah i don't know let's go with zabit but this kyle guy looks like a tank so he could i don't i don't fucking know um I'm not even going to make a call on that. Felder is my pick uh, against Iaquinta. Uh, Magomed Sharapov, I guess we'll just go with him for the for the sake of it, because why the fuck not? Um, moving on, we got uh, we got Cater voice, uh, versus uh, Moisano, <coughs> and I'm just going to straight go off of Calvin Cater's last performance where he looked sharp as a motherfucker with that kickboxing. And I think um, without knowing kind of anything about the training camp or, or anything about um, kind of the state, uh, I think he was on that bus last night uh, when, when all that shit kicked off. Um, I mean... Renato, the guy, so Renato Moisano is the 11th ranked featherweight, right? And he just lost, just lost, uh, he lost to Brian Ortega, all right? No, no shame in that. He got submitted, right? Round three submission, so no problem with that. His last three fights before that were, were a win, decision win over Jeremy Stevens, um, a decision win over Zubera, uh, Tukov. So, again, fuck, I don't fucking know. Like, I know this guy, but I can't remember his fights. So, for me, I'm like, well, I remember Calvin Cater. And he looked like, he looked like a, he looked like a savage in his last fight. So, I'm going to go with Calvin Cater because I've been looking forward to him fighting again. I think he's a complete package fighter. He's a 13-ranked featherweight um, featherweight fighting a ranked 11th guy. I think this is a perfect opportunity. He's 2-0. He's beat Andre Feely, and he's beat Shane Burgos. Um, and his last fight was fight of the night, and that looked amazing. That was on the st last Stipe card. Um, he just looks so good with the stand-up, so fluid, so creative, so natural with it. Um, I'm just, uh, like I said, I've been waiting for this guy to fight again. He's up uh, He's up on the main event, 
Coco Maine, and uh, and I think he's going to put on a show for everybody. So um, my money's on Calvin Cater. I hope he hope he has like kind of a coming out party that more people can pay attention to this guy because uh, I think he's super talented. Uh, so yeah, Calvin Cater, Cater. I, I think it's Cater, um, but you 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 pick it how you want it, say it how you want it. <sighs> And then the last two fights, the co-main event, the rematch between Rose Namajunas, Thug Rose, Thug Rose, Thug Rose, as DC would say, against the former champ, Joanna Yenjercek. The last fight between these guys, everybody was like, is Rose ready? Is Rose ready? Is she ready for the type of punishment, the type of pace, the type of striking that Joanna is going to bring to the table? Joanna had a terrible, terrible weight cut. Everybody knows that. Um, but what Rose did to her in that fight, nobody expected Except maybe Rose and uh, and her team, uh, you know, Pat Barry would have probably foreseen this. Um, but first round, first round, she takes out the most dominant female champion that MMA's had to date. One of the most complete strikers that the M that MMA has seen, that the UFC has seen, man or woman was Joanna, right? And Rose came in there and said, fuck you. She death stared her the whole time. Cold as ice, through all of Joanna's shit talking, through all of her threat, through all of her pantomime kind of acting and you know all of that, Rose was just stone-faced killer, right? Nobody expected a first round TKO by Rose in that fight. Now, now that that's happened, the immediate rematch has come out. The lead up to this, Joanna, she hasn't said anything. She hasn't been talking shit. Um, but she also hasn't really taken any responsibility. She blames it more on the diet, the weight cut than the performance. And I don't think underestimating Rose, who has now clearly hit her stride, found her mental space in which to exist in and has the momentum and the confidence of a champion behind her. Let's not put this all on the fact that you had a really, really tough weight cut. You know? This is such a hard fight for me to pick because, like, Rose is so... Rose is so good, right? And she outstruck Joanna in the first match, albeit it was a quick fight. Um, but she still, you know, she she fucking KO'd her basically. So, you know, she clearly won on the on the feet. Um, 
I just hope that Joanna isn't ignoring how good Rose is at jujitsu. Because if you've never seen like the footage of Rose throwing like a flying arm bar um, and the crazy submissions, I mean, Rose Rose has a mantra that says, punch him in the ground, uh, punch him in the face, take the back, choke him out. That's her philosophy. So she's not interested in having a boxing match with you. Her fucking go-to is always going to be to strangle you out. Right? It just so happened that she ended up TKOing Joanna in the first match. But if Joanna had continued to fight or hadn't got clipped as hard, then she probably would have taken the back, choked her out. That's her mantra. So I hope Joanna hasn't forgotten too, too much about how good on the ground Rose is because she's incredible. And she's explosive and she's fast and she's dynamic and she's unpredictable. And that could be a huge thing that Joanna, I mean, I don't think she is because she's a professional fighter. She's top of the food chain in, in terms of women's MMA. So you would hope that she would come in fully prepared. But that said, she came into the last fight and had a terrible fucking weight cut and almost died. So you never know what kind of circumstances are going to come out um, in terms of how the prep went, what the training was like, what the strategy was like, etc., etc. So, all of those things taken into account, how does the fight go? I mean, I could see Rose coming out and being like, well, you couldn't outstrike me last time, so let's fucking go. I'm not going to hold back this time. I'm going to go straight at you. And I, even though she TKO'd her in the first round, there was a little bit of feeling out there. You know, there's potential for Rose to get wild. I don't think she will because I think she's in a different headspace, but she could. Um, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, rather than predicting, I'm more curious to see what's going to happen because I would really like to see some of the jujitsu that Rose has got come into, uh, come into play. Um, I'm having a really hard time putting my pick on this fight, um, it's so hard to begin to bet against Joanna, but I'm gonna have to. Oh fuck! I don't know. God damn it! Um, God, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with Joanna. I think Joanna's going to get her belt back. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Now I want to say Rose. Fuck. Okay, I'm going to come back to it. I'm still so hyped for this card. God. Um, right. Let's just fucking get into it, yeah? <laughs> Let's just get into the main event. Max Holloway stepping in on six days notice to fight one of the scariest dudes around. I mean, Khabib Nurmagomedov is like he's just a different species of human being, right? His cardio is tremendous. His ground control. I just rewatched the Michael Johnson fight and Michael Johnson cracked him maybe 10 times during the stand-up. And he, at one point, and I think this is probably the most hurt 
we've ever seen Khabib. He got stunned in, I think it was the first round he got stunned in. Khabib closed the distance, took him down, and then f continued to pulverize Michael Johnson for three more rounds. Or I should say two and a half rounds. Third round, I think it was a stoppage in that fight. The, at one point, he was telling Michael Johnson to give up. And the way he had him trapped and the way he had him pinned down and the way Michael Johnson just couldn't do anything about it. Like, I fucking love MMA. I love combat sports. There has never been a fighter that I've ever watched in the UFC or anything else, any other organization, that makes me actually cringe when I see what they do to their opponents. Khabib makes me cringe. I was watching him beat the shit out of Michael Johnson and I was actually like, my fists were clenched up and my eyes were squinting. I was like, oh, like, like just hoping, even though I know he doesn't, just hoping he's gonna say enough's enough, right? Like when you saw Khabib uh, in his last fight, beat Edson Barboza, who people were like, well, you know, is he going to be able to strike with a striker like Edson Barboza, which he did. Um, yeah, I, I would actually say he outstruck Edson Barboza, which is a an amazing thing to say. He closed the distance, so those leg kicks for Barboza weren't going to be effective. He couldn't get the momentum on a swing. If anybody doesn't know about kind of closing distance, that's how you do it on a uh, predominantly... Uh, kick-based striker, you close the distance so that those leg kicks don't become available. They don't. They they don't have the um. <clears throat> they don't have the room to get them out. Right? They're not effective. You need a leg. You need a leg to come around with momentum to hit with a snap. Right? To really pop. Right? And if you can't get that off, one of your main, more powerful weapons is um, is neutralized. And that's what Khabib did to Edson Barbosa in their last fight. He closed the distance. He took him down. And then by about midway through the first round, Edson Barbosa had a look on his face like he was being kept in there against his will. And he didn't know what to do about it. Now, he got, beat, he got the shit kicked out of him for the rest of the fight because it turned out there wasn't anything he could do about it. And that's what Khabib does to everybody. So I'm sitting here, right? Just thinking about the different storylines that are available to us based on everything that's transpired, everything that's going to happen on Saturday night <clears throat> and what could happen, you know, going forward. And if Max wins, that sets up a whole storyline right in of itself. You've got him being the um, featherweight and the lightweight champion, 145, 155 pound champion, currently active, fighting, looking for challengers, etc., etc., then you've got Connor, who is a two-weight, two-division, uh, simultaneous champ who has given up or now being stripped of his belts. But effectively, he's got the claim that says, they had to take him off me. Nobody beat me for them. So there's that narrative that could be developed off the back of a Max Holloway win, which sets up a really, really intriguing fight. Um, because the only, like the last time Max Holloway lost was when he lost a decision to Connor. Since then, he's been on uh, something like a nine, was it nine, 10 or 11 fight win streak? Like he's gonna, he's 
potentially going to go down as the best featherweight in uh, UFC history, the way he's going, right? If he continues to do what he does, because he's like, he's like 20, he's like 27 or 28 years old, right? So he's still got a whole bunch of time in front of him. Now, if he pulls off this win, not only does he beat one of the most dominant, scary lightweights ever to fight in mixed martial arts, but he also gets the duplicated, uh, championship belts in two different uh, weight classes at the same time and he can claim that he is an active two-weight world champion which gives that real kind of impetus for him to say okay Connor if you want it come and fight it uh come come and let's let's get the fight done and that's a huge payday for Max um and again is potentially you know one of the biggest fights in UFC history so there's a really interesting narrative that can be developed off of this which is why the only and perfect replacement for Tony Ferguson was was who they've replaced him with, and that was Max. You know, you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better scenario uh, potentially from a narrative point of view, from a marketing point of view, from a you know from a title contention point of view to set the world and the division's right point of view. Max Holloway's your guy, and he's a fucking savage, right? Because he's beaten Jose Aldo twice. He's beaten everybody they put in front of him. Um, you know, if you remember when he fought, um, uh, Ra- oh, was the fuck is his name? Uh, Sergio is it not Sergio Ramos. Fucking, um, what is it? Max Holloway uh, versus. Sorry, I just got to go to his record. I don't know why I've done it the long way either because you guys are going to kill me because you probably already know who I'm thinking of. But basically when they were pointing the last like 30 seconds, minute of the fight, they pointed, Max pointed to the ground, Ricardo Lamas. Uh, What did I say? Sergio Ramos. (laughs) Ricardo Lamas. Um, You know, uh, I mean... Andre Feely, Clay Coward, Cole Miller, Cub Swanson, Charles Oliveira, Jeremy Stevens, Ricardo Lamas, Anthony Pettis, Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo, and now Khabib Nurmagomedov, right? So Max Holloway is on just a ridiculous, ridiculous win streak. Um, 12-fight win streak, nine finishes within that win streak. So just incredible. And like I said, the last... Uh, the last defeat was a uh, was a decision loss to Conor McGregor, um, but he was a different fighter then than he is now. So that obviously sets up something very very interesting, also with the title contentions and everything like that. Now, on the other side of that, you've got the Russian Bear or the Eagle, as he's actually called. You've got Khabib, who is just, you know, I mean, I don't know how many which ways I can slice it. You know, he's a he's a fucking savage. Anybody listening to the sound of my voice already knows this. I'm preaching to the choir, I'm sure. But if you're not familiar with him, you need to go back and watch as many of his fights as you possibly can. And while you're at it, check out the YouTube video of him when he was like fucking nine years old, when he actually is wrestling with a bear. You can YouTube it. It's out there and it's weird. But it can be weird, and that's got a lot to do, I'm sure, with why he is such a monster. Now, obviously, if Khabib wins, there's the long-standing fact that, uh, you know, there's 
been when's Connor going to come and fight him? Is he avoiding Khabib? There's no more avoiding Khabib if he wins. Especially not after what happened last night. So you've got the added controversy. You've got the most gangster promos that have already been cut. You've got the marketing ready to go. And you've got the potential to fight in Russia where there's, you know, fucking 400 million people or however many people there are uh, in Russia. You know, that Vladimir Putin can make watch this and it could be potentially enormous. Um, but I think Khabib versus Connor is not only the most likely outcome uh, following this fight, I think it's the biggest potential uh, for, in terms of a spectacle, in terms of size, in terms of pay-per-view, in terms of interest from, um, you know, from from MMA fans, boxing fans, casual fans. I think this is really going to be a banger if it if it happens. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't see how it can't. I mean. <sighs> Edson Barboza, it's like Khabib said, Edson Barboza prepared for 12 weeks to go five rounds with Khabib. And he did, but he got beat up for the whole entire time. You know, Michael Johnson had a full training camp and he got beat up until he basically had to give up because uh, of the Kimura that Khabib put him in that was going to just break his arm. Um... The way he ragdolled uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, you know, I just, Khabib is just too good when you have all the time in the world to prepare. And when you're a top level guy in the world, then you fight Khabib. You understand how there are levels to the game, right? It's the way that I was explaining this before in the light heavyweight division, there are the Daniel Cormier's and the Alexander Guftasons of the world. Then there's John Jones. And he's multiple levels above the best guys in the world because he's just a freak, right? And even those Alexander Guftasons and those Daniel Cormier's are a rung above the guys like um, the Ozdemir's of the world and the Manwas of the world and people like this, right? You go up a couple of levels when you talk about DC and you talk about Gustafson, but then you go up a couple more levels when you talk about John Jones. Same thing with Khabib. There's good grapplers, then there's elite grapplers, and then there's Khabib. And you can see the look on his opponent's face when he gets a hold of him and they realize they can't go anywhere. So I wonder how much Max, and I know he stays in shape, right? It's the whole stay ready so you ain't got to get ready um, type of mentality. And Max is always in shape, but again, there's fucking levels to this game. Khabib is big for 155. Max is going to look comfortable at 155. But if you look at the tail of the tape, there's not a big difference. So Max has got an inch on Khabib height-wise, but this tail of the tape says Khabib has an inch on the reach. So not much there. So the long and rangy scenario that I've heard some people say about Max doesn't really stand up. I know he fights long, but Khabib, he just managed... He just manages to get inside. And if he gets inside and he gets a hold of you, you're going to the floor. And if you go to the floor, you're dead. So I'll say two things. Check the line, right? Check the odds. Because if you can get, I mean, on the 
on the UFC website, they're not even given any um, odds on uh, on the main event. Um, but it would be worth. Let me just have a look for you, because if you can get some odds on Holloway, this is the fight game, motherfucker. And Max Holloway's on an eleven fight win streak, and he's beat some motherfuckers, and he's only getting better, and he's confident as shit, and it's the fight game. So you never know what's gonna happen, right? But my brain and my heart, because I want Khabib and Connor to fight. Says Khabib. But if I can get some odds, I mean, you're getting three to one. You're getting three to one for Max to win. So not a bad, maybe, maybe not. I just think that, I think this goes to Khabib all day long. I don't see how Max can win unless he clips him early. When Max is still fresh, um, I don't see there being any way other than Max clipping this guy early and hard that he's got any chance of beating Khabib. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna go with Khabib. I mean, how can you not? I just, he's one of the most dominant fighters we've ever seen. But if Max wins, He's right up there with the greatest of all time. From a resume point of view, from an accomplishments point of view, from just a, a momentum point of view, everything. You, there's there's very, very little you can argue against putting Max in the, in the top five uh, of all time based on his record, based on the people he's beaten. If he became a double champ, you know, actively defends them, you've got to put him up there. Uh, in the in the in the in the top top upper echelons of uh, of all time, I think, uh, and give the guy his due. Now, if Khabib wins, I don't know who's going to take that belt off him ever. He's got to fight Connor, but the Connor fight for me is a very very simple delineation. If Connor can crack him, he can put him out because the way Michael Johnson hit him, that piston would be coming a lot harder from Connor. And there's nobody better in the UFC at counter striking whilst moving backwards. See the Jose Aldo fight. There's nobody better that at, at counter striking, moving backwards under pressure and under speed than Connor McGregor. So if he can move back out of the way of Khabib, line him up, crack him, there's a very, very good chance that Khabib goes to sleep. If Khabib gets a hold of Connor, Connor just does not have this, the wrestling uh, and the grappling to be anywhere near Khabib's level. And that's a really, really bad night for Connor um, if that happens. But we're stepping one, one, uh, one step too far. We've got a big card coming on the weekend, um, tomorrow night. And just to give you guys the rundown of it, the main card is on at 3 a.m. Um, UK time. And that's going to be on BT. Uh, is that BT Sport? Uh, I think it's BT Sport. Prelims start at 1 a.m., uh, if you want to watch the early prelims on Fight Pass and sign up for that, then great. Uh, I wouldn't. Um, 
But the prelims start at 1 a.m. on BT Sport, and then the main card is on at 3 a.m. So I'm going to run it down for you guys again, and then I'm going to peace out because I do actually want to get another episode out today. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I definitely want to get this UFC preview out before uh, before uh, before the card, before tomorrow night. So, um, so here we go. Let's break it down. Prelims and main event. Evan Dunham versus Oben Mercier. I'm going with Oben Mercier. Beck Rollins versus Ashley Evans Smith. I'm going to go with Ashley Evans Smith. Joe Lozon versus uh, Groots Macker. Macker. I'm going with Joe Lozon. Um, Carolina Kovalkiewicz versus Felice Herring. I'm going to go with uh, my girl Carolina. I'm going with Paul Felder to beat Al Iaquinta, and we are now on the main card. That's the first fight on the main card. I'm going with Paul Felder to beat Al Iaquinta. I'm going to go with Magomed Shiripov. Magomed Shiripov. I guess I'm maybe saying that right. I'm going to go with him to beat Bosniak. Uh, Bokniak. I don't know him. Um, going with Calvin Cater to beat Moisano. I'm going with... Uh, God, I don't know who to pick for the Rose and Joanna fight. I'm going with Khabib in the main event to beat Max Holloway. And I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... I don't know. I don't know. No, no, uh, I'm going to go with Ioana. I'm fuck it. I'm going with Ioana. Oh, God, that's so difficult. Right. I'm going to go with Ioana. There, you've got my picks. 3 a.m. tomorrow night. Yeah, I got to stick with... Uh, I got to stick with Ioana. I don't know if that's the right call. I think... Oh, it's like one of those things, man. It's like a new day, right? Like Rose could, the way Rose did her in the first fight. Now nah, I'm gonna stick with Joanna. It's a, it's, it's troubling, and I don't know. That's the one I'm worried about. I'm pretty certain about the other ones, but uh, but I, again, it's the fight game, so who knows, right? But there you go. That's the breakdown. Um, fully up to date on everything that is going on with this card. And um, stay tuned for an update on what's going on with Connor. Before I sign off, let me check this. Uh, let me check this live stream one more time and see if there's anything else to update with. I mean, oh, here we go. Nope. Let me just see. Let me have a look. See if I can find it real quick for you guys. And then... Twelve minutes ago. Oh, shit. Okay, here we go. Okay, so an hour ago. 
We're going to hear from Dana White. Two p.m. The weigh-ins are at two p.m. British Standard Time, um, so we're expecting some more quotes from Dana White then about what's going on with Connor. Uh, Dana White. This is a quote from him that's come an hour ago. Connor and I talked through text yesterday. It was obviously the worst conversation we've ever had. Shortly before he turned himself in, White said on American Sports Show, first things first, I don't believe he realized what had just happened. It's not that I don't think he understood what happened. It's that he tried to justify it. He said, listen, I'm sorry about Michael, and I'm sorry about Rose and whoever else, but this had to be done. So it's clearly a retaliation thing. Um, he's saying he's not going to help, and he doesn't know if Connor's ever going to fight in the UFC again. But we've heard that again, and we've heard that again, and we've heard that again from John Jones uh, when he was going through his shit and all of that. So I'm sure Dana will not let his golden goose uh, go quietly into the night and we'll do everything he can to help him but we'll see stay tuned stay tuned in um god i would love it if connor was at this fucking event tomorrow but he's not going to be so there you go enjoy the fights guys um and that's it you've got my picks take them or leave them um think about three to one on max holloway i'm just saying anything can happen nobody thought holly Holm was going to beat ronda rousey nobody thought Matt Sarah was going to beat GSP and Max Holloway beating Khabib would not be that crazy in terms of those comparisons. So anything can happen in the fight game, right? Might be worth a little punt. On that note, I'm going to leave you to it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. This is episode 23 of The Quiet Part Loud. Uh, my name's Daryl. I'm your host. And uh, until next time, guys, all the best.